It's September 28th, 2016, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, when we serve, where we serve you the first bite of today's science and technology. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa, and the word of the day is hackathon. First off, we're going to have Mr. Mersey here to tell us about an upcoming Disrupt Army event. Then Nepali Souza joins us from Purple Maya to tell us about the Purple Prize Demo Day. And finally, after the break, we'll hear from some of the winning teams from the recent Hawaii Annual Code Challenge. And we'll talk to Team Cobra Hats and Lokomoko about what inspired mm. them to participate and what they built. We, of course, always welcome your comments and questions as part of that conversation. So you can contact us by calling in or sending us a tweet after the break. Now, of course, we did say that this is the hackathon show. So everything that we talk about is going to be about a hackathon. And we're going to first welcome Anise Mersey, who's here to tell us about something called Disrupt Army Hackathon. Welcome to the show, Anise. Thank you, Bert. Thank you, Ryan, for having me. It's just a great opportunity. I really appreciate the time and really calling me out here. Yeah, and well, we have- well, you know, it's uh, I, I heard about it through the grapevine. There were, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm on a couple of Slack channels. And, and uh, when we were doing the um, Hawaii Annual Code Challenge, which is also called Hack, uh, there were people saying, oh, boy, this weekend is going to be super busy. We got to <laughs> do the, you know, our hack presentations, and then we got to do Disrupt Army. I'm thinking... Disrupt Army? What's that? What is is Disrupt Army? Yeah, so it's something I kind of came up with. I mean, I can take all the credit here, but I mean, I kind of started, I tried to get the Army involved fully uh, due to some legal issues. You know, I had to take it private, but I'm still looking at, you know, I'm still in the Army, I'm serving the Army, and I'm bringing a a problem that we currently face. I'm a software project manager, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to, you know, kind of innovate, disrupt. You know, that's where I got the key term, disrupt Army. So we're still disrupting Army. It's just legally, you know, they're not binding towards it. Oh, but that's interesting. So there is, in fact, a military aspect to this hackathon. Yes, and uh, just to go further into it, it's uh, basically we're looking for a dashboard, you know, kind of data visualization to help a four-star general make a better decision, an informed decision. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, uh, you had mentioned something about you tried to get the Army to sort of back it up, support it, and they said no, they couldn't. I mean, there were – was it basically because of – Security reasons or protocol reasons, or this is not their part of their process. I think. I mean, uh, I can't speak on the army's behalf, but I think uh, they just weren't ready. Mm-hmm. You know, this is mm-hmm. something that uh, you know all the industries are adapting right now. You know, you look at Dell, Uber, Yahoo, all the all the major companies are are adopting. They're running hackathons. Why not the army? You know, mm-hmm. why not the government? Like we saw over the weekend mm-hmm. with you know disrupt the government. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us, you you want to look at some dashboards and you want to build something that a four star general can make make better decisions upon. What is it that you want to show on that dashboard? I mean, and I know you don't have to get into classified information, and I, I know probably <laughs> there's, there's probably not a whole lot of classified information that you're going to share as a result of uh, disrupt uh, army, but. But typically, you know, what what would you be telling some of the teams that would potentially be building these dashboards? Yeah, so I don't want to put out too much, too much information. Oh, okay, I see, um, I see. It is, I mean, I can go a little bit in depth on it, uh, but I, I kind of hinted at looking at some libraries like TimelineJS, um, D3JS, just some of those uh, graphing. Visualization tools. Yes, one of those vi- visualization tools. But uh, the specific data that you would be using is going to be revealed at a later point. So actually... Uh, we have a hackathon we're going to talk about in a bit, Purple my uh, their Purple Prize, and they had several months to work on a pro- project. The state uh, hack, they had a month to work on their project. Um, when you say that uh, it's going to be kind of more of a challenge, does that mean for the Disrupt Army it's going to be very fast? 
Yeah, so we want to disrupt, like we keep saying the word disrupt. And, and I'm taking it just to that problem that we have, just visualizing that data. We have all the data. You know, the, the commanding general sees the data. He's just not able to make a decision because there's too much data. There's, you know, it's not presented in a dashboard format. And that's why we're doing that overnight hackathon, just let's hack away. We have energy drinks. We have food. You know, come on out. <laughs> so the participants actually, they will show up and only at that point realize, figure out what they're working with and what they can do with it. Yes, because I'll give, you know, I'll bring in that presentation after a little bit of networking with everyone. Maybe find some teams if you're coming as an individual. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'll give, hey, here's the problem set. Here's where the resources are going to be at on our GitHub account. And, you know, I'll be floating around if you have any questions. So, Anis, I mean, what would it, why would you want the community to participate and come up with dashboards? Isn't it your job? I mean, isn't that part of your uh, being the software project manager inside the Army to, 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 to develop? Yes, and I have a, I, I mean, uh, speaking of opinion, I think I have a great solution. But, it, you know, you never have something where you see someone from the outside, you know, that third party. They're not necessarily, you know, closed-minded. They can see, hey, you know what? Here's a better way to do it that I would never have thought of. So that's why I really want to look at, you know, the local community. Mm-hmm. I've been a part of hackathons before, and there's stuff that we've come up with as a third party where, you know, say Uber is like, wow, you know, we never would have thought about that because they're on the inside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, for this particular challenge, you're going to be working with military data. Just, and, but as you mentioned, sometimes it takes larger institutions a little more time to come around to engaging the community in this way. Um, I know very recently there was a Aloha dashboard for the state to try to put some metrics about uh, state and, and uh, agency performance in a single easy-to-use and easy-to-view place. Is there an example, if not in the military, is there an example of a dashboard for uh, large organization decision-making that you think would be a good example for potential participants to look at to say, hey, this is something done well. This is an idea that we could pursue. I like uh, an easy answer is if you Google dashboards and hit images, (laughs) you'll see exactly what I'm looking for. (laughs) And to go further, just it's surrounded around calendars to give, you know, greater hint about Mm -hmm. what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Now, if you are, if it's that easy to find examples of what you might be looking for, why would you want the community to come in and you know, add to that, right? I mean, you've already got examples from, from, from Google. Yeah, so the template's there, but the number crunching's not. There's certain ways that they might see, hey, you know what? Using this calendar event, we can extract this metadata and plot it this way mm-hmm. to help the commanding general kind of uh, get out the noise. You know, hey, let's, mm-hmm. let's move the noise, let's separate the noise. If you want to drill down, you can drill down. But this is just for you, that dashboard where you can make that decision for the next three months. All right, Anissa. Well, one of the challenges that every hackathon faces and that Bert faced in helping to organize the state hack is sustainability is, you know, is there a future for this project? So you bring in some developers, they come up with some brilliant and innovative ways to present this data in a very useful way to help the generals or decision makers Mm -hmm. uh, make smarter decisions. But where to from there? Is it something that you can incorporate into your own work? Is there a reward for the participants to for their creativity? Yes, great question, Ryan. Yes, so there are rewards. Um, Dell sponsored all the prizes. Uh, we have developer laptops we're giving away. Microsoft might be coming in late with some other products. Did you say local. laptops? Yes. Not laptop stickers, but actually No, no, actual laptop. products. All so right. we went um, just based on what Dev League told us. They were saying stay away from cash and go more towards prizes because we're working with students. So we went out. We got with Dell Outlet and Microsoft, the local store here, might be providing product also. And then um, I also had in there a possible – I'm working on trying to get a internship set up with the Army – and we have an opening for a GS-12, and that would be definitely someone can 
cover down on that position. So by doing well in the Disrupt Army Hackathon, you might have a leg up in achieving or securing that internship and presumably have some opportunity to further iterate and advance and refine your your solution presented at the hackathon uh, on a longer runway. Yes, and worst case, if I can't promise that, at least you have the products from our gracious sponsors, Dell and Microsoft. So do you have a uh, panel of judges that will be looking at the the uh, output of this uh, hackathon? Yes, so mainly the judges are, we have one rep from each sponsorship, and I brought in a couple uh, couple Army guys also just to keep, you know, because it's an Army solution, but mm-hmm. I also wanted that outside perspective. You know, we may be focused again on, hey, this is exactly what we think should be it. But then we have those those two other panel judges that say, you know what, we liked you know number two because of X, Y, and Z. Now, and this, want. would this be a local solution for Hawaii Army dis- deployments that you could also see replicating or bringing to other uh, regional Army bases? Is that what you, basically what you see in your head? Mm-hmm. So when I took over the job, one of our team goals was to implement a application across the Army, mm-hmm. and I see this being one of those applications that we could easily implement and say, hey. This is needed by every general. You know, he needs to be able to make these decisions, and he can't right now because he's just cluttered with data. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you know, uh, Ryan asked you about sustainability. If a team were to contribute to a project, is there an opportunity? I know you expressed uh, the op, you know, the potential opportunity for somebody to get hired, but what if a team is wanting to basically continue to work as a team to deliver the project that they, you know, maybe won a prize for? Mm-hmm. That was the uh, the internship aspect, what I, which I'm still trying to nail down, mm-hmm. uh, going through the, all the legal jump hoops and all that stuff. But uh, it looks like it's becoming closer and closer to reality. It's just I can't promise and say, hey, yeah. for sure you guys will be doing an internship and implementing this project. That's where I want to head with this. Well, it certainly helps to have an organize, organizer on the inside. All right, so Anise, if somebody uh, is into data visualization, really likes the idea of trying to build something in in a very short amount of time with information they won't <laughs> even get to see until they show up. I mean, that sounds like some pretty exciting stuff. Uh, when is this event and where can they go to get more information? So Friday, it's this Friday, and it's an wow. overnight hackathon uh, going into Saturday where we'll be submitting, we'll have teams submit around 1030, and that's where judging will kick off around 11. And uh, it's going to be at the Manoa Innovation Center right there across from UH. Mm-hmm. And um, you can go on our disruptarmy.com website or... We have Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook if you want to check out our social media. And it's all Disrupt Army. Yes. All slash Disrupt Army or at Disrupt Army. You don't even have to sign up. All you have to do is show up. Okay. So anyway, great. Thank you, uh, Anise, for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, Bert and and Ryan. Okay. And next up, we want to welcome Napali Souza from Purple Maya. And he's here to tell us about the upcoming Purple Prize Demo Day. Welcome to the show, Napali. Hello, Bert and Ryan. Thank you for having me. Now, you know, we we um, had the folks on early, uh, maybe a couple of months ago, talking about the Purple Prize, right? And so tell us, you know, what when was kickoff and when, you know, there's been like a two-month period and what's been going on in a two-month period and now you're going to have the demo day. So give us an update. Yeah, so back in May, uh, we had our launch day, mm-hmm. uh, May 28th. Um, we held it at Kamakakua Kalani, which is the Center for Native Hawaiian Studies at the University of Hawaii. Um, and it was a really successful event. Um, I think the goal was really just to bring two communities who don't necessarily get in the same room together. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. the sort of Aina-based uh, cultural practitioner community and then the tech uh, software-y, program mm-hmm. geeky community mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to sort of get them into the same space 
um, get them out in the lo'i where we got in the mud, we were pulling taro, uh, we were smashing roots with our feet um, as a way to just form that connection, mm-hmm. form that bond. Um, the hope was that in that space, uh, these two groups can sort of talk about uh, at least the cultural aina base side, sort of the needs that they're experiencing that their own sort of skill sets aren't able to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we wanted the tech guys to come in mm-hmm. to sort of identify that need and identify the skills that they have that might be able to, to meet that need to create a solution uh, that furthers the practice of Aloha Aina. And that's really what the Purple Prize is about. Okay. Now, Nepali, I loved that kickoff. Now, Bert and I are big fans of hackathons. <laughs> we attend many of them, even though we don't possess many skills that can be contributed <laughs> to a team. And it was fantastic to see uh, developers, coders, like, you know, the the real uh, tech leads, designers, people that I'm used to maybe seeing working uh, with uh, UI design and everything, but they had to get started by going in the lo'i. My daughter and I got knee-deep in the mud. <laughs> um, and also, we walked up the uh, the, the stream mm-hmm. to see how the lo'i was fed. And, and actually, that was an aspect of it that I wasn't even aware of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a horrible Native Hawaiian. So it was very educational, <laughs> and it did kind of set the stage to thinking differently. And so after the cultural partic- practitioners gave presentations or talked about their mana'o, uh, it was really neat to see the same kind of things happening with post-it notes and stickies and maybe whiteboarding and drawing possible UI designs and interfaces. But the things on it were all related to um, issues of great importance to the Native Hawaiian community. Were there specific uh, categories that you saw that were then carried forward over the, the months since the kickoff? Yeah, I think um – Water uh, was one topic that came up a lot, uh, vai, mm-hmm. uh, the Hawaiian word for water. Um, and I've seen that sort of turn into uh, a project uh, that will be pitched on Thursday, uh, a way to sort of monitor uh, lo'i, uh, to monitor the health of a piece of aina or land. Um, so I saw that one sort of uh, grow some legs, and, and we'll see where it's at on Thursday. Um I think community, just strengthening relationships, uh, which I see in another one of these pitches, um, a way to sort of uh, bridge uh, nonprofits together, uh, their possible supporters or funders to sort of uh, leverage what they're doing and creating a platform that uh, makes that process a little easier to do. And I think that also supports the concept of Aloha Aina. To really love the land requires the, the effort of a community. And so without those strong relationships, um, the Aina suffers. So uh, I definitely saw the work that we did that day kind of turn into something that we're going to get to get to see on Thursday. Yeah, I was wondering between the kickoff and getting people connected with the uh, cultural practitioners uh, and the actual demo day, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, let's say, workshops or activities that brought people back together. So I'm just curious from from your vantage point, uh, how were people actually working behind the scenes? Were they just going on their own and, and kind of getting together and, and figuring out things on their own? For the most part, each team was a, was assigned a, a leader or a mentor. Um, and through their mentors, um, Purple Maya was able to sort of keep the communication lines going mm-hmm, to see mm-hmm. whether or not you know they needed resources that we could help provide. Um, so there was uh, definitely communication. 
Um, just this past week, we started sort of going through the rehearsals of pitches, mm-hmm. um, which has given us another chance to see how far along things have come. Oh, um, but we did want to give them time. Mm-hmm, like I mm-hmm. think that's sort of this is such a new concept. Sure. Um, the data might not be there, so it really required those months to sort of think mm-hmm, deeply about mm-hmm. how to how to make this thing happen. Yeah, I mean, I love how we're, we're exploring both the sort of overnight, here you go, build something right now, <laughs> right. crackathon, and really one that kind of uh, embraces a, a different kind of thinking, a different kind of approach. I remember that there were proposals for uh, maybe sharing resources like uh, farm, things that you grow, and, and trading that way, you know, apps that might exist everywhere else, but specifically for this community, or or even teaching people about the phases of the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, how many teams made it through? How many teams will be presenting on, on Thursday? So we'll have six teams. Uh, we have two from Maui. Oh, um, and uh, one of the teams includes students from the Hui Malama Learning Center, which mm-hmm. is on Maui. Um, and they run the gamut. There is sort of that uh, gardening, food, uh, food-based idea. Uh, there's that wetland monitoring device that I mentioned. Um, that community partnership and resource connector. Um, there's also an app built for children to sort of help them understand uh, the watershed flow. Um, and then there's uh, a wearable technology piece oh. uh, that will sort of uh, signal to the wearer uh, different elements about the piece of aina that they're in. You might learn a bit about the rains or the winds depending on which ahupua you're traveling through at any time. So once the... Let's say project gets pitched, you guys do some judging, you do some selection. Uh, what do you have in mind from a Purple Maya standpoint to take those apps to the next level? Is there some thought on how they may actually go to market or go to production? There is going to be prize money awarded. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hope is that this prize money will then sort of help them, mm-hmm. help take them to that next stage. Um, Beyond that, I think that's sort of an open question. We want to keep having this event. Um, This is our first crack at it, and we'll see. I love that there are many hackathons. All right, so if people want to see this fantastic intersection of native cultural practitioners and the local tech community coming up with very specific solutions for Hawaii, where and when is this event, and how can they find more information? So the event is on Thursday, October 6th. It's going to be at the Halau Pa, which is in Mo'ili'ili. It's Mm. the neighboring property to the old Anna Bananas, now called Anna O'Brien's. Ah, okay. Um, It's a Kamehameha Schools property. They're they're kind of turning it into an innovation hub. So it's there, uh, 2438 South Baritania. Uh, We're going to start with pupus and drinks at 430. Uh, The pitches get underway by 545. Um, and for more information, you can go to www.purplepriz.com, uh, and then there's an, a, li- a link to our Eventbrite page where you can RSVP there. Very good. And we'll put those links on our show note at <laughs> uh, bitemarkscafe.org. And thanks, Napali, for joining us. All right. Thanks, guys. And, of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Kim Vo, Christine Ryoka, and Lisa Zhao to talk about their projects in the Hawaii Annual Code Challenge which government agencies were willing to engage the tech community to help them better serve their communities and what innovative tools were designed and built in less than a month. Of course, we'd love your thoughts or questions as part of the conversation. You can give us a call at 941-3689 or reach us toll-free from the neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. And, of course, we're live in the studio. You can tweet us your questions at ByteMarks or at Hawaii. This is ByteMarks Cafe. It's simple. Sustainers make monthly gifts to HPR that automatically renew. Their dependable support has been consistently lowering pledge drive goals, 
as more listeners become sustainers, we can all look forward to shortening the drives too. Sign up to support HPR today with an ongoing monthly contribution. It's easy and secure on hawaiipublicradio.org. Thanks very much. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hi, I'm John Gray. And I'm Arjuna Arda. We are the authors of Conscious Men. Next time on New Dimensions, we'll be talking about understanding men and women and their new challenges in relationships. Sunday morning at 11. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Nohea Gallery, Kaiser Permanente, and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And joining us today are Kimbo, Christine Rioka, and Lisa Zhao. That sounds good. Sounds good. Kim's team was called Team Cobra. And I'm going to ask her how they got that name, Team Cobra. And Christine's uh, team is called the Hawaii Advanced Technology Society, or HATS. And they're tied. uh, They all both tied for first place at the first Hawaii Annual Code Challenge. Meanwhile, Lisa and her team, Local Moco, built a simple database to help businesses find locally grown or produce Hawaii products. And, of course, what did participants learn in the process of developing solutions for our government? And we'd love to hear your questions and comments. And that number to call is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. We want to welcome you all to Bite Marks Cafe. Hi. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Bert. Hi. Thanks, Bert. So, Lisa, let's start with you. Since you, we, you know, we did a little short description of what your uh, application was, tell us a little bit more about what your application does. Well, um, our product is a very simple database uh, where businesses can find local vendors for local products that are either 100% grown in Hawaii or 50% value added. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... What happened was the uh, Department of Agriculture presented this problem uh, where that they didn't have a solution. People, businesses inquired on uh, their department asking, hey, where can I get these products? Like, uh, where can I get potatoes or where can I get uh, mangoes or uh, papayas? And they didn't really have like a resource. They might you know, have an Excel sheet, but they didn't really have uh, one place to go or a place to direct them. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, that's why we created this very easy, friendly, uh, u- sorry, very user-friendly database for them to search. Oh, very good. Okay, and then Kim, what does uh, what does your uh, application does? It, it <clears throat> your guys' team is team. Well, maybe ask uh, first. Ask Team Cobra. Very <laughs> ominous kind of. Clearly, a name. they're fans of GI Joe. <laughs> maybe, yeah, yeah. So might be too young for that. So Team Cobra, give me the story behind how you picked Cobra. So naming. Naming in general is kind of difficult for our team, but the reason why we came up with Team Cobra is because we ended up saying, hey, you know what we do? We Cobra. So that's how we ended up with... Cobra. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a... We didn't want people to realize it right off the bat, so it's kind of uh, just a little secret inside joke for all of us. Oh, very good. So tell us a little bit about uh, your project, which was, I guess, codenamed OHI. So OHI stands for Our Homeless 
application idea. Mm -hmm. Again, it was very difficult to come up with a name. It's all about the cool acronyms, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So OHI essentially is an end-to-end solution to help outreach teams assist homeless and at-risk individuals. So what we have and what we created was three different solutions. We have a referral app, a responders app, and a um, like a, a web app for information on all the data that, re- that people are receiving. So with the referral app, people like us can go out and help those that are in need. They can take the phone and make a referral for someone who they see. Mm-hmm. And that referral gets sent out to outreach teams who are then able to go and assist the person who was referred. So essentially, we want to help the community by giving them the tools they need and the tools that can help them help others. Mm-hmm. So Kim, Very what good. was the, the challenge that was being addressed? Now, uh, we heard uh, from Lisa that you know maybe they had an Excel spreadsheet, but no real easy uh, resident-facing way to find these products. In your case, um, I'm sure people might imagine that there's this broad network of service providers to help yeah. homeless people, and they all talk to each other. But I guess what you were building is is addressing the fact that perhaps they don't interact quite as smoothly as we would yes. we want. So currently, um, a lot of outreach teams such as IHS, they have a lot of referrals from different sources. They have it from emails, from phone calls, through their website, and they even get letters, surprisingly. And what was hard for them is to find a way to compile all of these referrals and to have a source where they're able to collect all of them in one area. So we wanted to provide them with an app that allows for people to reach out using one source. Oh, very good. Okay, and and Christine, um, I'd like to hear a little bit about the, the, the HATS project. And, of course, tell us what HATS stands for. So HATS stands for Hawaii Advanced Technology Society, and HATS was founded in uh, Honolulu Community College by our former president, Jerome Kavagan, mm-hmm. and former students of HCC, Kevin Ryan and Jason Hayward. Mm-hmm. So HATS was a pre-existing sort of team that uh, decided to participate in the hackathon. Yes, that's right. And what did you build? So we built a web application for the OCCC visitation request process. Mm-hmm. We wanted to make uh, visitation requesting faster for families who are visiting their um, other, their family members in OCCC. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you know, we, we were talking a little bit about the, 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 the pitch or the uh, department that presented the challenge. And, and so what was the challenge that OCCC and the Department of Public Safety actually came out and, and pitched? What did they say was really causing them sort of the, the pain point? So the pain point was that the employees and the visitors um, are having a hard time working together to make sure that uh, the visitors get a chance to see their loved ones mm-hmm. in the jail, in, in, in OCCC. Mm-hmm. And they wanted... A no, you know, a more faster, more efficient way of doing so. Right. It was very manual. It was phone calls. And if the staff member is not at the phone, they can't make that connection. Also, um, cancellations happen because of staffing or other issues. And people can be on the bus for two hours to get mm-hmm. there. And then it turns out no visitation that day. So they need a way to get it more real time. And even the matter of knowing what you need to bring, because people can make that trip and then not be, they, there is a dress code, for example. They might not bring all the appropriate documentation. I thought that as of the reverse pitches, it definitely resonated with a lot of people because people might not have thought about this specific demographic 
demographic mm-hmm. and how they need to be served and how important it is to maintain family connections mm-hmm. when someone is incarcerated. I think the pitcher, the person who pitched, also had the, the best an, uh, anecdote because you need to keep logs of the different people who visit so that the wife and the girlfriend don't well, come visit, on the same yeah. day. So very <laughs> that important. was like an extra thing right, right, in our absolutely. application. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I found co- very interesting, and I, I wouldn't have known this uh, if I hadn't heard it as a pitch, was that you know you, when you go and want to visit your relative or friend or uh, acquaintance in the you know in OCCC, you have to fill out a bunch of forms, and on top of that, you have to be appropriately dressed. Now. You know, people can't see how I'm dressed right now, so I may not be appropriate. And I wouldn't know until I went there and a guard said, Bert, you're not appropriately dressed, so you can't go in. So that's something that perhaps your um, application could help address, right? Yes, that's another reason why we created a web app. It's so that in one place, the visitor can read all the rules and follow all the uh, all of the um the rules mm-hmm. that needs to be followed at OCCC so that when they get there, you know, the process will be much quicker and they get to see their inmate on that day. Mm-hmm. Well, I and there were many, many teams that presented. Uh, a, a few won, but I was really impressed with how many teams presented. Even after a month, they made it through the end and they had solutions to put forward. And I think, again, it was a fantastic uh, illustration of how citizens, people with specific developer skills, talents, creativity, were willing to to give those talents to a government agency to help them serve a community better, not something that you might think might happen naturally. So I do want to hear sort of what drove you. So, Lisa, um, what's your background and what drew you to the to HACK? Well, um, I am a part-time student in DevLeak, and actually uh, our group, all of us are part-time students in DevLeak, uh, where DevLeak is a local boot camp program. Um, and we're actually near the end of our six-month program. And as a way to get more hands-on experience and practice everything we learn, we decided to enter Hack mm-hmm. um, as a way to practice our skills, but also really get involved in the government and try to see how we can use our skills to help them. Now, when you were presented with the the variety of different challenges, were there anything? Was there anything that popped out that made one? challenge resonate with you more than another? Um, there were actually a couple of them that really resonated with us. Um, well, we were interested in the age-friendly challenge mm-hmm. as well as uh, the Made in Hawaii Local Products Challenge. Um, but when we spoke to the rep from the Department of Agriculture, she was very enthusiastic about it. I, I did notice that mm-hmm. she had some swag mm-hmm. that was very influential. <laughs> yes, uh, her bag of swag was very helpful. <laughs> Motivating factor. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so uh, so that was something that um, uh, she was a very good sort of person to kind of interact with. That was a compelling reason for perhaps your getting involved with the uh, you know, Department of Ag? Yes. Uh, it, one was her, but also the fact that uh, we could use our skills to really help Hawaii and help uh, – Hawaii become a more self-sustaining economy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very and how good. about how about you, Kim? What uh, motivated? How did you find out about it? And why did you say I'm joining a team and we're going to build something? Mm-hmm. Very similar to Lisa. Um, when we heard about Hack, uh, I actually work at a company in downtown. And when we heard about Hack, we used we used to code a lot in the past, and it was a while since a lot of us had actually even done anything like this and for a lot of us it was our first time participating in a hackathon and we thought you know with the skills that we've we may the skills that we have 
why not use it to do something that can actually help the public and help the community? Mm-hmm. So we decided to get together and participate in the hackathon to create something new, which we've never done before. So it's pretty exciting. So I, we had, didn't ask Lisa, but how large was, uh, was, was your team? And, you know, what role did you play? In that? So we had a team of four, and I was the UI UX designer. Hmm. And we had two developers, and we had one person in charge of security and security for the mobile app because we wanted to take the next step to see if this were to ever be implemented, how can we make sure that this is something that's viable? Now, how did you decide who would participate on your team? I mean, were you f- just all friends? Did you just happen to have the skill sets that you just described? Or were you able to kind of recruit the right talent? Yeah, was there company needed? support of this initiative? Um, they supported us doing it, and they're really excited for us to do it. Um, it was definitely something we did outside of the company. We literally spent five to ten hours after work hours working on this. But it's interesting because... The people in our team, we actually work side by side with Mm -hmm, each other. mm -hmm. So when we heard about it, and we're all around the same age group. And I actually just moved here from California. Mm -hmm. So I was like, hey, you guys, there's this event. And how cool would it be if we worked on this together? So it's kind of like a new bonding experience for us as well. So so would it be safe to say that uh, this helped you guys to kind of gel as a team? Or if it hadn't been for this, maybe you folks would have been just... Cube dwellers. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're actually sitting in a room. Well, I'm sitting alone by myself oh. because I'm a little bit different from them. I'm the designer. Uh-huh. But they're sitting in the war room. So they already knew each other a little bit. And so this is what really pulled us together and be able to work and unite as a team. That's great. That's great. And Christine, I mean, yeah. you mentioned hats at uh, Honolulu Community College. Mm-hmm. Um, was that where this initiative came together to bring you to the hack? So, no, actually, oh. um, our professor wanted to throw the project at us, but he thought, oh, our background's not really in coding. So, but I heard about it on my own when I was on an internship this past summer. Um, our, our internship project manager sent an email to everyone and said, oh, here's a statewide hackathon. Maybe you guys would be interested in mm-hmm. it. And I took it on and I told our, our uh, club, and I guess they felt bad that oh they 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 really wanted me to uh join in oh. with them and start a big project so you know uh the um the folks over at Team Cobra, they had four people, and, and Alisa, I think you guys had four people too, Oh, right? uh, We had five. Five people? Yeah. Now, how many people did you have? And I, I want to understand a little bit about the dynamic of managing your team, okay? So according to our Slack account, we had 17 members. <laughs> so but, was that seven members? 17. Wow. So 17, that's a little, you know, t- ideally, right, we would recommend that a team be uh, – Maybe three people, could be five people. You're pushing in at six. How did you manage 17 people? So we, f- we had a hackathon meeting, mm-hmm. and that's where we divided up everybody in their own teams. We had a web server team. We had a, a database team and a, an approvals team. And whoever wanted to be in a team just raised their hand and joined the team. Now, what was the thought process that... Uh, maybe decided whether you should all 17 be a team versus let's divide and conquer and let's have eight people be one team and, and you know, another nine people be another team. I mean, how did you guys maybe go through that thought process? You just didn't want to compete with each other? We didn't want to compete with so each other. We, we wanted guys- to be 
a united club. A united. We wanted okay. to go at it together. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, you you each team, all the teams, had a month to put something together. And I think one thing that I would immediately be curious about, although I liked how Lisa talked about uh, the the enthusiasm on the state side, because that's really important. You need the stakeholders to be mm-hmm. interested mm-hmm. in your solution and not think of you as a disruptor in a bad way. Um, but certainly, uh, people would think that working with the government does come with specific challenges that you might not have working with a private company wanting to build a solution. So, Lisa, with the agency you were working with, um, were there any challenges that came from the fact that it was a government agency, or did it feel like working with any other client? Um, no. Uh, so, our rep- uh, the Department of Agriculture's representative was Helene, and she was very friendly. And any time I emailed her, she responded almost immediately. Mm-hmm. So any question I had, she responded. And she was great, mm-hmm. <laughs> really great. So did uh, but did you get to interact with any other uh, Department of Ag people? Were was she the primary point? She was the primary point. Unfortunately, uh, I didn't. We didn't have any questions. For, well, I guess because she answered all the questions we had. Um, no one else had to answer anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, let me ask what you had to work with then, because um, one of the things that frequently comes up when we talk about hackathons, mm-hmm. including before the break with the Army, uh, Disrupt Army event, for example, is the availability of useful data. You might be able to build an application that could do a lot, but it needs to be based on data that is used by the agency to be useful for everybody. What was made available to you for this application? There was actually a lot of information available. Um, so a I want to say maybe several years ago that the state actually did have a database uh, where businesses could search for uh, local vendors. And but unfortunately, when um, the state switched over um, website vendors or something like that, mm-hmm. um, their database wasn't compatible with um, this new uh, platform. So. Um, Although this database is still out there and open for everyone to use, it's out of date, Mm -hmm. (laughs) several years old. Uh, So is it a government employee that has to figure out where the mangoes are? Or how how is it kept up to date? Um, So in the past, uh, when they had this database, it was actually the state that had to take care of the information. Um, Someone would submit a form to the Department of Agriculture. The Department of Agriculture staff would have to go look up the information, verify it's correct, and type it into the database. So Mm -hmm. that was a lot of work for them. Mm -hmm. And so with our product, we're trying to make it easier uh, for the state and um, have the vendors put in the work. uh, So the vendors will put in their information, uh, their business information, their product information that goes digitally to the Department of Agriculture. And they just need to check, okay, is this um, vendor able to do business in Hawaii? And do they have a real local product? And if that's correct, it goes onto the website. <laughs> I like that. So now, the, one of the things that I, w- I was kind of interested in is you said that the old data was on a on a database platform. They had a new system. It wasn't mm-hmm. compatible with the new system. Mm-hmm. What does your system have that is it compatible with the new system, or is it something that is in itself standalone or a, a new thing that needs to be incorporated? It, it is standalone. Uh, we haven't discussed with the Department of Ag of how we would integrate it with whatever platform they're using mm. now, and we would lo- love to because we think it's a great, easy-to-use product. Um, before, um, I don't know if you've seen it, but the old database, there was a, just a lot of information. It looked like you had to put in. It looked kind of confusing. And 
with our, our product, we just wanted it to be really intuitive. You know, you just go in. It's like, oh, I know what I need to do. Click, and I found it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, we want to continue and talk more about the specific uh, uh, applications and some of the things that are, are actually, you know, it's actually built on. But we want to hold that thought. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Kimbo, Christine Rioka, and Lisa jo- <laughs> Zhao. I should get that right. <laughs> about helping to solve government challenges. We'd love to hear from you as well. You can call 941-3689 or reach us from the neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. You're listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Financial news changes by the very minute. Domestic and global markets are crazy. China's not about to move away from buying U.S. Treasuries. The European Central Bank wading into the Spanish and Italian government bond market today. The whole debt ceiling debate made us look dysfunctional. We all know that. That's okay, though, because we're here. Marketplace, it's the business show for the rest of us. It's from APM, American Public Media. Weekday evenings at 6. New Wallet Hub study says Hawaii is the worst state in the nation in which to be a teacher. And a Kailua-born reggae artist has put a lifetime's worth of performing experience behind her in the last dozen years. Irie Love is bringing her show and her new album to Waikiki, and she'll be with us tomorrow morning at 8 on The Conversation. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Straub Clinic and Hospital and Gourmet Events Hawaii. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And we're talking to Kim Vo, Christine Rioka, and Lisa Zhao and their team during Hack. And, of course, you can give us a call. That number is 941-3689 on Oahu or... 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. And, of course, right before the break, we were talking about interacting with government and trying to develop sort of this collaborative uh, uh, relationship. And we got a good sense of how the Department of Ag uh, was able to, you know, get uh, Lisa's team to to uh, think about, you know, the application that they were building. And, and of course, um, with uh, Kim, your guys' team, I mean, your guys' team had a couple of people there. I mean, we had uh, we had the folks from the Institute for Human Services, and then we also had uh, Scott Morishige, who's the homelessness coordinator for the state of Hawaii. He was also on hand to answer any questions. But tell us from your firsthand experience, how did you interact with any of the resources that were out there uh, that were made available to you? So when we first took upon the challenge, we didn't realize fully that there was actually two separate challenges for homelessness. Uh And you just mentioned it was Kimo and Scott. Right. And they both, they had essentially, they wanted the same idea, but they had different, um, very similar, but um, few differences that they wanted in their app. So what we did was we met up with both of them individually and had meetings with them throughout the four weeks to understand and to really get a grasp on where the problems are and how we can help them. So we actually, one of our team members, he spent a lot of time um, going out to actually IHS and touring um, the IHS's their place and getting to know the rest of the um, the workers there mm-hmm. and getting to understand why understand where we can really help them. And so 
that was a lot of the could you could you articulate a little bit about what the difference between what Scott wanted and what yeah. uh, Kimo wanted? And, yeah. yeah. So what Kimo wanted really was more of the referrals, getting more referrals and being able to really reach out and find out where the homeless and at-risk individuals are. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott, he wanted the same thing as well, but he really wanted also some place to find all that data where everything's collected, um, all of the information, who and where they're all located at. Not necessarily as much as chemo as to going outreaching, mm-hmm. but more of um, like a dashboard of all of the information all compiled there for him. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like your solution actually kind of has those different parts, yes. if not two separate apps, um, different views of yes. that information. Oh, I see. Okay, so so in essence, uh, although we sometimes refer to it as just the one challenge, the mm-hmm. you know the the homeless uh, challenge, it was actually two different challenges. Yes. Stakeholders, in that's way. that's great Very that uh, yeah. you guys came to that that conclusion. And I hope somebody has uh, built something for Scott because he'd be pretty <laughs> lonely if he doesn't. We definitely did build a part of it for Scott, which was our uh, our web app, which pulls in all the information which comes from the referral and the responders app. Mm-hmm. And that information is compiled onto our dashboard, which the state and IHS will eventually be able to access and pull from or whichever information that they need. Mm-hmm. Now, Christine, I love how Kim said they went to visit IHS. I work nearby, and we've we've worked with them on various projects. And getting a firsthand look at things certainly helps give you more context when you're trying to build a solution to help. So in your case, Christine, I'm curious, were you able to spend some time perhaps view, uh, visiting uh, prison? We didn't visit OCCC, but they came to us. Okay, okay. At uh, HCC. And we showed them our application, what we had so far, and they gave us feedback on what else we can add on to the application, uh, what other um, implementations we can add to, uh, just to make it better and for them to use at the end of the project. Mm-hmm. How much no. interaction did you have with, uh, with the Department of Corrections? So, public we, safety. Um, that was. Like our only time we had a face-to-face conversa- conversation, um, most of the time it was through email uh, or phone calls. And then we had the um, the Excel sheet provided by the uh, HACC uh, website where it had all the different data formats that we had to follow mm-hmm, to create mm-hmm. the database. Now, in, in, in terms of uh, uh, OCCC, uh, did, they, did they provide you all the, the forms and things like that that you had to... Uh, look at in terms of you know building that into your web application. Yes, and based on those forms, we tailored our website. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, everything on the form that the visitor had to fill out is now on the web application. So now it's faster for them to request. Now, are you are you um, building a database that allows the perhaps the participants that are wanting to visit? to populate, and then this database, where does that actually reside, and how does the folks over at the Department of Public Safety access that database? So for the project, we created a database to hold all the information of the visitors, such as the name, mm-hmm. um, social security, their driver's license number, and then uh, it talks to the web server um, that's on another computer at HCC in mm-hmm. our own like little data center, mm-hmm. and um, we created PHP scripts to talk to the database, mm-hmm. and it will pull all the information and send it to another page for the OCCC admin. 
administration side. Is it a is it a, a MySQL database or what kind of database did you guys use? We use PostgreSQL. Wow. Okay, oh. we're geeking out here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we got to geek a little bit. Um, Kim, Christine uh, talked a little bit about kind of taking a paper form and turning it into something a little more dynamic and usable. I know that when you talk about out, uh, homeless outreach and evaluating um, people for referrals, there's also in that case a very specific form that they were using, basically with clipboards and and pencils and pens. Can you tell us about how you digitize that process? Yeah. So. Currently, they're using a form called the VI Spit app, and what we've created was we digitalized that form onto the responders app. So referrals don't have access to that, but the responders who are outreaching, they can fill out the form on their phone, which will then pull all of that and shoot it into our web app. And all that data is then pub, um, put into the actual form in case they want to print it out. Mm-hmm. So that's how we set up the VI Spit app, and we've created so that it's not it doesn't have to be just that form. We know they have that point in time count that they wanted that they do every year as well. So we want to be able to implement all of their stuff onto the phones to make it more easy and streamlined for them. You know, that's the first time I heard about that form, the VI. But, but that, <laughs> how do, what does that stand for? Uh oh, I'm putting you on the spot. You I'm, know what? But you guys, you guys make it roll off your tongue like you are experts, and you know. Okay, I'll be honest. I don't know exactly what it stands for, but I do know that. What the information they collect is to assess the individual to help see where they should be, um, the level yeah. of help they would need. Uh-huh. Right, right. Uh, oh, very good. Now, Lisa, um, your your application, I think, is one of the few that did require participation of the public in a way. In this case, the vendors whose information the, the Department of Agriculture wants to make available to the public. So it's not just the agency that provides the data or provides the information, but if I, if I had, I wanted to sell mangoes, it would be incumbent upon me to input that data. How did you build that process to make sure that it was you said you wanted to make it usable, but how is it going to uh, – what would incentivize a grower, for example, to participate in this database? Um, well, there is an, the old database, and we could have easily just pulled that information out and put it into a new database, but obviously it's not up to it's date. It's like two years old. Yeah, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this not only is our product a tool for businesses to find um, vendors – but also a marketing tool for those vendors to promote their products as well. Uh, we do have plans to expand this in the future. And um, I don't know if I should discuss that right now. Oh, feel free <laughs> to tell us all your future oh, plans. Well, eventually we'd like to turn this into an e-commerce site so that peop- uh, businesses can buy from the vendors directly. Mm-hmm. You know, They don't have to just use it as a search engine and then go- be redirected to another site or have to call just to find out if something's in stock. They can just buy it right there right now. So, so since you've uh, let us down this path. I'm curious, what do you see as the, the future of your app? Do you see the Department of Ag adopting it or do you see your creating your own sort of application that, like you said, maybe is an e-commerce site? I mean, what do you what do you see as a potential pathways for your project? Uh, I see this as a partnership between us and the Department of Agriculture. Obviously, we need their help because we need to verify that the information, uh, the business information is correct and that they are selling the products that um, are accurate, that they are locally made. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, we need to partner with them because I, I, I would expect that they would need our expertise to help fix this up and make it even better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, uh, Kim, you're riding high right now on uh, the 
winning, riding uh, high, a, being a <laughs> placing at hack. But uh, again, the same question for you: um, What comes next? Is it uh, further refinement of the tool, further interactions? It's very difficult in the case of a government agency to just have them, oh, buy this app and you can use it, and it will be your service provider. It's mm-hmm. not quite as simple mm-hmm. as working with a business. Has there been any uh, conversations on that front? Right before I start, I just want to put out: It's been three days. We've been relaxing, enjoying the little high life. <laughs> but <laughs> booking their flight to uh, Vegas yeah, yeah. to spend those winnings. But we have actually been reaching out to Kimo and Scott the past couple days, and they've been reaching out to us as well as to how we want to take this and continue because we really, really want this to be implemented. We really want this to help the community, mm-hmm. and so we've been working, and we've been we're still in the talks with Kimo and Scott on how we're going to implement it. But it is in the works. And we, when we developed our app, we made it so that it's standalone and that the database, which is MySQL, can be put into any database that they have currently. So that's something we're still talking and discussing with them. But we do, we're working really hard. No matter what it takes, we're definitely going to put this out there. We really want the public and the community to come together to use this app to mm-hmm. make a difference. Now, you, um, your team, Team Cobra and Hats, w- both won first prize. So we actually had to combine first and second prize and actually give two first prizes. But uh, the Team Cobra got a little extra recognition because they were selected to go to this global hackathon. So can you tell us a little bit? Um, did you have some time over the last three days to look at what the go- global hackathon is all about? We have definitely spent a lot of time looking into it. It's a huge hackathon in St. Louis. And it's going to be happening next month in October. Mm-hmm. And before, I just want to put this live so that my team knows this. We're going to be wearing shark onesies during the event. Shark like, onesies. Wait, shark onesies. Wait, wait, wait. I mean, even during the, the period of coding? During the period of coding. It is a weekend hackathon, <laughs> meaning we'll stay up for about 40 hours straight coding. And the prompt for the... The global hackathon is actually homelessness as well uh, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it's a huge problem, not just here in Hawaii, but it's a huge problem everywhere. And it sounds like you have a head start, certainly, with a working application. Yes, well, I'm, we do. I'm kind of curious about that shark onesie. I mean, what, <laughs> what, what did you cho- why did you choose a shark onesie? Because they have this, uh, they have a, a spirit award, and I'm always, li- ah, I like to have fun. I got it. Right? Okay. If I'm going to go somewhere, I'm going to make sure I'm having fun and that my team's having fun as well. And that'll pretty much get you in all the promotional pictures taken at the event. <laughs> That is the whole point. I like it. Um, Christine, I mean, again, just seeing the reverse pitch from the Department of Public Safety of all the challenges that they face on a limited staff, uh, on something that impacts families that Mm -hmm. they want to hold together to help bring them back into the community. Um, What do you see as the path forward for what you've started to build for uh, uh, inmate visitation? So what we hope that happens is uh, OCCC contracts us, and then we help them implement our website um, so far, we know that they have like three different networks, and we could probably split up the application where um, visitors on one network uh, accesses the web application, while another network we have the administrative side the accessing. Piece. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now I know that uh, you had seventeen people on your team, <laughs> and, and I'm sure that the uh, folks over at OCCC will be thinking that perhaps they need to deal with. The lead, which is you, Christine, but I'm 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 asking you, and, and you maybe it might be too soon to answer this, but how do you see 
from a team standpoint, I know it's your club, and you know everybody got together, and they all you know like kumbaya, you know got to <laughs> got to participate. But now, when you start to look at getting into potentially like a business relationship with an organization like the Department of Public Safety, how will you consider our, the the reorganization of that particular team? I'm putting you on a spot. You're the lead. You're I'm you know you're the CEO. I'm, I'm <laughs> it's a Shark Tank, so you know that's what a are good you question, do? Bert. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> So I think um, how we should split up the team was whoever we the members for Hackathon. Um, although we had seventeen, that it said on Slack, mm-hmm. maybe two thirds or one third of the team members actually created the web application. Okay, okay. So for those uh, members who were included in this project, the core engagement, the core members. engagement mm-hmm, will mm-hmm. be involved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then so from, a, I guess, from a going forward basis, you have to start thinking about, you know, maybe if, is that a business entity? How, how will you now interact with another, let's say, business entity in the form of, like, you know, the Department of Public Safety? Uh, one-to-one conversations, um, meeting <laughs> them at OCCC, getting discovery. to know yeah. the whole administrative side because we only got to meet like four or three people. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, very quickly, as the hour comes to an end, I want to hear from each of you, starting with you, Lisa. Um, here you came in. You're saying, I'm a talented developer. Government needs help. Do you? F- how do you feel coming out of it? Do you feel further inspired by your capabilities? And do you have a better or worse opinion of government's ability to embrace innovation? Um, I have a, a much greater opinion of the government now that, you know, they're willing to open their doors and see the talent out there and what they're willing to build for the government. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'd like to take our product further and I'd like to have the government come along with us. I Very like good. It. Uh, Kim, how about you? Uh, positive experience overall? It was definitely a positive experience. I definitely got to see a bigger, like, insight and really get to experience what it's like to and see where all the challenges the government are having. And mm-hmm. like Lisa said, it's nice that they're opening their doors to all of the talent it's out there, like Lisa and everyone else out who participated. So we definitely want to push this forward and get our app out there as Good. well. Excellent. Christine, and, we're, and, and of course, add where we can find your application. Okay, so I definitely appreciate the government opening their doors to local talent. And to find our application, you go to hack.hats.team. Um, colon 81. Okay, so okay, I will we'll try to remember that. Show <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and of course, uh, Kim, where can people find uh, your guys' application? You guys can go to www.ohai-app.com. Okay. I like that. And Lisa? Uh, our project is actually on GitHub right now. We haven't launched it, but you can go to github.com slash hack2016 locomocos, and we're open. It's an open source, so anyone ah. can contribute as well. Oh, oh very good. Okay. Well, Kim Vo is part of Team Cobra. Cobra. <laughs> and, of course, and, uh, <laughs> and of course um, uh, in the Hawaii Annual Code Challenge, uh, Chris, and of course, uh, uh, Christine Rioka is part of Team Hats, and Lisa Zhao is part of Loco Moco. And we want to thank you all for joining us today. Thank you, Bert. Thanks, Bert. Thank you, Bert and Ryan. And we thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we'll learn about a National Science Foundation project that Bert is helping with to study Hawaii's freshwater aquifer. And, of course, if you missed any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. And, of course, you can also find us on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich. And we leave you with our song pick of the week here 
There's a Seattle band called Math and Physics Club. I'm going to join. And a song called California Coast. See you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Bite Marks Cafe.